Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Three nights, three podcasts. One more to go this week and then in vacation. Let's go. Christian, I am super happy with this podcast. I've always wanted to explore Decred. Uh, I've always known or or heard that it's a, a project that is definitely worth paying attention to. Uh, I know that it had uh, governance in, baked into it, and it's this hybrid proof-of-work, proof-of-stake system, and I know that Chris Berniski is a big fan of it, I, but that's about as much as I knew. So getting a Decred developer on this podcast was really, really helpful, both for my understanding uh, of what Decred is, as well as just kind of what the f- uh, community feels like. Uh, and Luke Powell was a great guest to, to have on this podcast to, to kind of walk us through what it's like to be in the world of Decred. Yes. Thank you, Max Bronstein, for making the introduction. It was really awesome to have Luke on here. He's actually the second uh, developer we had on this week. So uh, we not only get political, but we get technical here at POV Crypto. Uh, This episode was no exception. We definitely uh, butted heads with uh, different opinions. Luke is actually in an interesting position where he kind of agrees with David on some things, and then he kind of agrees with me on some things. It was definitely, uh, you know, kind of every man for themselves and every man having a different um, outlook on the space, which makes for a great episode. This really felt like a pretty equal three-way fight, which is exactly what POV Crypto is, is all about. And without further ado, Luke Powell. All right, everyone. I'm really excited to bring you Luke Powell, a contributor and developer for the Decred project. Luke, welcome to POV Crypto. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to bring you on here to talk about Decred. It is probably one of the most promising altcoin projects out there and um, has a lot of buzz. Personally, not fully convinced, but I thought it was really worth a while to bring Luke here and, and at least talk about it. Luke, why don't you tell us how you got into this space and how you discovered Decred? Sure. Um, So I got into the space initially uh, basically through reading the book, The Sovereign Individual. Like Bitcoin Verse came on my radar um, during the 2013 run up, but I didn't actually start really going down the rabbit hole until I kind of read The Sovereign Individual. A lot of things clicked and I started just learning more and more about Bitcoin and this concept of hard money. Um, And that kind of spiraled into me wanting to, before I was just a developer out in San Francisco, um, but I wanted to make the switch to cryptocurrency space. So um, it was early 2017 that Jake, uh, he's the project lead for Decred, gave a presentation at Coinbase about Decred. And that was my first introduction to Decred as the project. Started learning a little bit more about it. um, And it really just fascinated me. Um, It was the, so when I first kind of like learned about Bitcoin um, and kind of like, the light bulb went off. I wanted, I will put money into it, not caring whether or not I lost that money just because I just wanted to be a part of it. It was, this was such a cool project. I just wanted to like be a part of it and experience it. Um, and the only other product that I've kind of like felt that about is Decred. Um, and we can get into all the reasons why. Um, but yeah, so mid 2017, um, was when I started actually, uh, getting involved with the project, becoming a community member, uh, started contributing. And so now I'm a, a developer. I work on Politeia, which is our off-chain governance platform, which we can get into more uh, 
later on in the podcast. And um, yeah, so that's me and in my background and how I came to become a Decred contributor. So Luke, we're definitely going to dive all the way into Decred. But before we do, uh, what do you think about the spectrum of tokens slash blockchains slash projects that are in the cryptocurrency space? Um, like who, what other blockchains do you follow? How focused are on just Decred are you? And kind of where do you fit on that polycoiner spectrum? Decred as a project is super focused on this store of value use case. And so that's where I spend most of my time um, kind of keeping up with the ecosystem. I don't keep up a lot with the DeFi stuff going on. Um, the two projects that I'm mostly interested in are Bitcoin and Decred, and I think they complement one another really well. You know, there are certainly other cool projects out there, but I just don't really uh, keep up with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So talk a little bit more about how you think uh, Decred and Bitcoin are complementary. Sure. So the whole reason that Decred was launched, well, the original Decred developers, they used to be Bitcoin developers. Um, they built BTC Suite, which is the Golang Bitcoin implementation. Uh, it's the implementation that Lightning Labs is building Lightning Network on top of right now. And so during that process of building out that Bitcoin implementation, they experienced firsthand a lot of the inner workings of how Bitcoin governance works um, and kind of realized that there's no good way to incorporate hard fork changes into Bitcoin, um, mainly because there's no way to actually gauge what the stakeholders or the coin holders want, the, the actual Bitcoin holders want in any accurate manner. And so because of that, you defer judgment of which hard forks are legitimate and which hard forks are not legitimate to some combination of the developers, the miners, and the economic nodes. And so this is kind of what the block size debate was all about. And um, at the end of it, Bitcoin took this position that we're not going to have hard forks because of this fact, because if you have a hard fork, that means that there's gonna be some group of people that are deciding the legitimacy of those hard forks. And that group of people is not the coin holders. So people who actually have skin in the game and are actually exposed to the risk of those decisions. And any pure proof of work cryptocurrency kind of suffers from this issue of how do we make these decisions as a community without centralizing this power. And so Decred launched, uh, specifically to solve this issue of being able to make decisions as a project, um, be able to incorporate hard fork decisions um, in a decentralized manner where the actual people who own the coin and have skin in the game are the ones making all the decisions. And that, that kind of leads us into the whole hybrid proof of work, proof of stake model um, because of the fact that in order to have that type of voting from the coin holders, you need to have a proof of stake aspect, but, we don't agree that pure proof of stake um, is secure enough for a store of value. Um, we are fully support proof of work and um, we recognize the importance of proof of work. But when you combine them, you can have the security guarantees of proof of work and then you can have this proof of stake layer on top that allows for coin holder voting. And that is essentially what Decred is in a nutshell. I definitely would agree that the Decred is addressing what I always claim to be Bitcoin's biggest weakness, which is the fact that the miners have to sell their Bitcoins uh, as a as a part of just the network uh, structure. And so they, they must remove themselves from being aligned with the value of BTC or the, the blockchain at large because that's how they fuel it. That's how they fund themselves, right? And so that, that's kind of what I've seen also with what's nice with proof of stake, where if you, in order to validate the blockchain, you must 
have the skin in the game appropriate to to uh, be a, a trustful person to to validate the blockchain. And but I can also see the the criticism that Bitcoiners have, where um, just one hundred percent. Uh, monopoly over the validation of the blockchain by token holders is um, uh, a little bit of a, a centralization factor of capital at the very least. And so I see how bit, how Decred is kind of splitting that down the middle. Um, but I yeah. also think that Decred splitting it down the middle is also trying to fight for something that's not, there's not actually a peak of value there. Um, and, and it's more about, I'll, I'll let you take over from there because I think you, you probably have want to respond to that. Sure. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what you mean by peak of value, but let me just talk a little bit about like how we view kind of those issues. Um, we agree that, or I agree that one of the issues with proof of stake is the fact that um, the early adopters are continually, you know, getting rewarded with the block award and their, their stake is growing and their influence grows over time. So in Decreb, uh, our block reward is split 60% proof of work, 30% proof of stake, 10% network treasury, um, specifically so that even if you're an early adopter and you're continually staking your decred, you're always being diluted down by that proof of work block reward because it's twice as much. And so your relative control over the network diminishes over time. Um, so that's one important point to the decred model. Um, and another point that I wanted to bring up is that you said that the, the miners don't necessarily have skin in the game, which leads to mis misaligned incentives. Um, and that's not just the miners. That's also um, the developers and the economic nodes, right? They may be hold coin holders, but it's not guaranteed. And um, especially if you're getting uh, VC funding for your development team, um, the interests of the VCs are not necessarily going to align with the long-term interest of the coin holders. And same for uh, economic nodes, uh, businesses like exchanges, OTC desk, uh, institutional custody solutions, right? Their business interests aren't necessarily going to align with the long-term interest of the coin holders. And so it's, it all comes down to aligning interests by giving the decision-making authority to the people who are, uh, who will feel the consequences of those decisions, who are taking the risk and will feel the consequences of that risk. And that is the coin holders. Something that I find that's an interesting thought, and I, I wasn't expecting to dive right into this at, the, at this early stage of the interview, but it kind of fits in. And that is um, this idea that miners, or at least early miners will, then go and like have a monopoly on staking. So my first question is, what does the Decred mining landscape look like? And are you seeing a lot of miners carrying over um, their mining reward into participation as stakers? Yeah, so there's not really any way to know for sure um, if miners are holding long-term. But, but I mean, just the whole business model of mining means that they have to be selling some decred in order to recoup their operational expenses, um, the cost of their hardware, the cost of their electricity. But mining in general, um, is it has a very centralizing force, be, the industry does, because of the fact that of the economies of scale you get as a mining manufacturer. And really, it, in this day and age with ASICs, uh, decred does have ASICs and we fully embrace them. Um, we'll, let me get sidetracked for just one second. So the reason that we embrace ASICs is, um, and we're not that worried about minor centralization is because we have this hybrid system, which means that in Decred, 
every block that gets mined is a proof of work block. So it gets mined like a normal proof of work block does. And then that block then has to be validated by the proof of stake side. And that is the actual decred stakeholders. And so if the stakeholders refuse to validate a miner's block, let's say that the miner is misbehaving in some way, um, then that miner will not get their block award and they'll be wasting those computational resources. So it's kind of like this two-factor authentication mechanism um, that allows the stakeholders to actually have uh, authority and the ultimate say of what blocks get put into, uh, added to the Decred blockchain. And so miner centralization isn't as big of an issue in Decred because of this kind of like second-factor authentication. Um, but my, yeah, to answer your original question, I, I really don't know if miners are holding, but even if, if they are holding, then at that point they become holders and they are, their incentive is to, um, well, it depends on the scenario, but as a holder, their incentive would be to maximize the value of their decred. Yeah, so the way I see this is that um, if miners don't sell their decred and they become holders, which they totally should be empowered to do, uh, they they, their incentives are uh compartmentalized into like two different um personas right so there's like the mining uh incentive and then there's the holding incentive and the fact that decred has given holders a incentive um or a, a reward for holding unlike how it is in with with bitcoin uh the reward is is okay even if it, if a miner and a holder is the same person because they get to express their incentives in two different ways and so I, I actually really like that design structure. That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. It's, you know, it, a lot of people look at proof of work and proof of stake individually, but very few projects have kind of thought about combining them. And when you do combine them, you get benefits of each and address some of the weaknesses of each as well. Mm -hmm. Christian, you want to say something or I got, I got some questions. So Luke, my question is, what do you think of the narrative that miners are a slave to Bitcoin full nodes and that full nodes validate the transactions and no invalid transactions can pass by full nodes? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I, un I understand this viewpoint, but I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, mainly because I think that well, full, full nodes have very little sovereignty in a pure proof-of-work cryptocurrency, meaning that they ultimately, they are at the mercy of the developers, the miners, and the economic nodes, um, or some, some combination of those three. The actual power dynamics between those three groups can get very complex, but the main point is, if those three groups decide to go one way, and the full nodes don't want to go that way, well, they don't really have much of a choice. Without the developers, the chain isn't going to be maintained. Without the miners, the chain isn't going to be secure. And without the, the um, economic nodes, you know, the exchanges, the fiat on-ramps, the, the OTC desks, the uh, institutional custody, things like that, there's not going to be the liquidity that a store of value needs. Um, so, I mean, I understand the argument, but I just don't think it holds a lot of weight if those three groups wanted to do something different than what the the full nodes wanted what, what's your opinion so, on it? i mean my question i guess i would say we have evidence otherwise we have evidence that there was a lot of economic stakeholders including uh massive economic nodes like coinbase and shapeshift and uh you know everyone else that was part of the new york agreement plus miners um and they were not able to get their way 
and we right. had Segway activated and no uh, no hard fork. So um, I, that's uh, one data point versus I don't see any other data points otherwise. Right, and I agree, but I don't think I don't. Th all right, so the block debate, the block size debate. It if you look at it from a technical standpoint, um, like there wasn't a whole lot of technical argument to massive block size. If you actually get down to um, a lot of like the distributed system experts and what, what they had to say. So I think a much bigger test to kind of like Bitcoin's governance model will be at some point, Bitcoin will need to hard fork. There will be some type of change. You know, let's say SHA-256, it's gonna break someday. Let's say uh, that at some point in the future, it breaks and Bitcoin needs to hard fork away from it. When there's not a clear uh, best answer, when there are multiple answers that you know have different trade-offs, but there's not a clear uh, right and wrong answer like in the block size debate, um, then I think it's gonna be a, a very different scenario. I think it's gonna be a lot messier. Um, and I think that will be the ultimate test of Bitcoin's governance model. And a likely scenario that could happen is that you could see Bitcoin fracture into multiple competing chains at that point. Um, if they can't come to an agreement, which I think that if we're talking 10 or 15 years down the road, when Bitcoin is worth 10X, 100X what it is now, there's gonna be way more money on the line. There's gonna be nation states involved um, that have very deep pockets and have their own motivations. Um, it's not gonna be you know Roger Ver and Craig Wright pushing these alternative narratives. It's gonna be a much more professionalized industry um, with you know nation state intelligence services uh, kind of like trying to push the narrative. So that's, I think, the ultimate challenge. Um, I think the, the block size debate was a good early test, but um, there, there will be much harder tests in the future, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what Luke is saying is that uh, eventually there are going to become obstacles that Bitcoin is going to have to maneuver around. And uh, a block size debate is not one of them. Uh, it's more of a issue as like what happens when this emerging technology comes out and fucks with one of the underlying principles of the Bitcoin blockchain. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it's something that requires a, another hard fork after Bitcoin has solidified its, its non-hard forkiness for the last like 20 years. Like all of a sudden that becomes really, really impossible to deal with. Um, so it, it, it would seem to me that, that Decred is taking the value of Decred is the is based off of the possible the probability of Bitcoin running into one of these problems, which at least in the short term for me like doesn't seem too likely. Like I think Bitcoin can go for at least twenty years before. I mean I don't know. I am so uneducated in in guesstimating this number, but like hypothetically twenty years before Bitcoin runs into an obstacle that will actually stop it unless a hard fork uh, happens. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's my thoughts are very similar. So, I mean, essentially, I don't see anything tripping Bitcoin up in the near future. But if we're talking about a multi-decade time horizon, I think the story becomes very different. Um, and if you're building a store of value that's supposed to last for decades, for centuries, for, you know, it needs to be, in my opinion, it needs to be able to adapt and evolve over time. Um, and I think Decred and Bitcoin, they complement one another. Um, they take we take the same position as bitcoin on all of the major technical issues um whether or not to scale in the base layer using uh lightning 
layer two solutions like Lightning Network to scale, you know, a limited scripting languages for security reasons, um, the importance of proof of work. But the one issue that we differ on is this philosophy of ossification versus adaptability. You know, Bitcoin has taken the, chosen this path of uh, the ossification of the protocol over time, where it essentially becomes set in stone. And Decred has taken this path of adaptability over time. Um, we have this, these mechanisms to be able to incorporate hard forks um, and change and evolve as technology evolves. So I don't see anything tripping Bitcoin up in the near future, but I think long-term, um, Bitcoin and Decred together are a much more a uh, powerful duo when, if we're talking about this fight for hard money, right? And this fight against fiat money, Bitcoin and Decred together are a much stronger team than either one um, by themselves. So I think the thing that's always looming on the horizon that uh, apparently, if from what I've heard, is super far away is quantum computing. Uh, and so I've heard like estimates of like 40 to 100 years away before we figure out com quantum computing, which to me just sounds like people don't know how far away it is. It's so far away. Um, but, but quantum computing, to my knowledge, breaks Bitcoin. And so at that point in time, there is that filter coming. Uh, I think, I think it, it does it's something with the, uh, the private, private public key pair. It, it cracks that code. Uh, and, and so once that's here, Bitcoin has to have done something to solve that problem by the time quantum computing comes around. So there is that looming, distant, approaching thing, assuming that we're going to achieve that technology uh, that, that Decred can always count on. Have you thought about quantum computing in this context yet? So I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Um, besides, like this is one of the, the common examples that's used of just how technology will change over time that will force these hard fork changes. Um, and, and, you know, I agree with everything you just said that it will happen. And the nice thing about Decred is we don't have to worry about these issues until they actually start mm -hmm. um, kind of like becoming a problem. Same thing for this whole fee market debate, um, whether or not the fee market will be sustainable, uh, will be able to sustain the security of the network. We don't even have to start worrying about that um, as, for another 10 years because we have the ability to uh, adapt and change. And so we can kind of watch um, what Bitcoin does and how it, it responds to those. And, and um, we, can, we can address the situation when it actually becomes a problem. Which also does, goes a long way in um, curbing kind of just arguments in the community. Um, because we have this, this way to resolve disputes, there are a lot less disputes. Um, and the disputes don't get drug out over like these multi-year time periods, which is also a nice benefit can focus on better things. Well, you can just focus on, on building rather than kind of like arguing with, you know, internet trolls or, mm -hmm. or random billionaires on, on Twitter. Something that, so it was, I found it really interesting that you said because you have governance, you don't have to worry about these things until they're apparent. A lot of people would argue and do argue that the same is true for Bitcoin. I feel like a lot of people think that when the entire system is at stake, that that is when people can actually coordinate. Um, obviously, it that's just a theory, but uh, the shelling point is that, you know, the internet wouldn't stop today, right? So if Bitcoin is the most valuable asset in the world, you know, if something was at stake like that, then there would be able to coordinate. But obviously, that's yet to be seen. But just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 
but that's a very big risk you're taking with a global store of value. Um, you know, will these groups all over the world be able to come to agreements when they have different incentives? Maybe, maybe not. But I think Decred is a good hedge in the case that uh, it doesn't work out or people aren't able to coordinate. Christian, I think, I think what you just said was that Bitcoin is going to, the, the problem that Decred is trying to solve is the issue of coordinating upon a shelling point of a hard fork in the time of need. But, but Decred's value proposition is that it can do that. So if you think that Bitcoin will be able to arrive at a similar conclusion that the on-chain governance that Decred has, you're basically saying that it's just not a problem and that Bitcoin's already solved it. Technically, Decred does not have proof that in a contentious situation that they can govern themselves. There's plenty of voting situations globally where people cannot, cannot come to consensus. So just because it has a path to consensus doesn't necessarily mean that the, there will be consensus. Luke, has there ever been any controversial thing that uh, Decred governance has gotten over? The amount of controversy is also directly proportional to the amount of money on the line, right? Decred is still, we're three years old or three and a half years old, um, and we have had hard fork votes. We've had hard fork votes um, where that have gone against miners best interest or what's in their best interest for the long term um their long-term profits but again we i mean you won't truly be tested until you get to these very large market caps um with a just a lot of money on the line mm -hmm. and that's when kind of like the nice will really come out but let's let me dive into like a little bit of how decred's how decred incorporates hard fork changes and i think this will clarify kind of like um some of the argument that that Christian just brought up. So any hard fork change, um, a hard fork change being a non-backwards compatible network upgrade has to be approved by 75% of the Decred stakeholders. So the way it works is every proof of work block that gets mined, um, like I said before, has to be validated by the proof of uh, stake side. So during this process, uh, we, when you stake your Decred, you purchase what we call tickets and we have a ticket pool. Every proof of work block that gets mined, five tickets are selected from the ticket pool to vote on the validity of that block. And then they can also cast votes on any hard fork changes that are currently being vo uh, voted on. And so the way the hard fork voting process works is the code for the old chain and the new chain, the new or the, the hard fork changes have to be completely coded out first. They're packaged together. They're distributed in a single binary. We have an upgrade process where all of the uh, nodes on the network upgrade. And then once certain thresholds are met, then the vote automatically commences and the stakeholders start uh, casting their votes for whether or not to activate these hard fork changes or, or to um, reject them. And so if 75% 75, if 75 of the stakeholders approve these hard fork changes, then the chain automatically switches over and starts running that new code um, because it, it's already packaged up all together. Um, and if it doesn't meet that 75% threshold, then it just remains dormant and the old chain continues to run. So when you say we don't know whether or not, you know, Decred would be able to come to consensus or I think that if, if, if we're not able to reach a 75% supermajority, then that change is not going to be incorporated and, and that's as designed. 
Um, and if we do reach that 75% supermajority, the chain automatically switches over. Um, it's what we call binding hard fork changes because anybody that continues to try and you know mine on the old chain or stay on the old chain gets, gets, gets forked off and the hard fork changes are binding. Yeah, so it sounds to me like uh, two ways that things don't get incorporated. One, uh, nodes don't upgrade in, or incorporate the upgrade. And then two, you don't get that supermajority. Is that correct? The first one, um, if the stakeholders don't upgrade, then the vote wouldn't happen. If the proof of work miners choose not to upgrade, there is a, a option on voting wallets that, uh, you, that allow you to strip the proof of work miners of their block reward if they refuse to upgrade. So if the stakeholders refuse to upgrade, then the stakeholders are ultimately in control. So the stakeholders you know, are essentially voting by not upgrading. Um, and then the second uh, reason that you brought up, they don't get that 75% supermajority. Yes, that's correct. Miners have to upgrade, but stake, uh, stakers or stakeholders, nodes, whatever you want to call them, don't have to upgrade, right? So if you cannot coordinate those people or have a mechanism for coordinating those people, technically um, a hard fork could not go down. Is that correct? Well, stakeholders refusing to upgrade is the same thing as them voting no, right? Um, and I don't, I think it'd be much more likely that they would just upgrade and vote no. Um, there's not really any incentive not to upgrade for a stakeholder. Maybe a miner, but not a stakeholder. Because upgrading allows them to actually explicitly um, you know, vote yes or no and kind of enact their sovereignty. I find it, I just think it's interesting that you assume that people are going to actively manage this. Uh, my assumption is that they're not going to actively manage it. And if you look at upgrading across many different blockchains and even upgrading across uh, Bitcoin Core, um, it's very slow, difficult process to coordinate. If this thing becomes global, um, I just question even the staking part of it can be coordinated around. That, that's because that's built into the Bitcoin culture of because they don't have to upgrade. In Decred, we've had multiple hard fork votes already. And if you don't upgrade, you get forked off the network. Um, so you have to upgrade if you want to spend your Decred or you want to uh, yeah, continue using the network. Otherwise, you're automatically forked off. We don't, we don't mess around with um, supporting old versions. It's like the reverse rage quit from uh, Moloch DAO, where they're basically allowing or they're allowing the majority to bully the minority into submission. Is that a correct way to view this? Yeah, but ultimately the majority of the stakeholders they have the ultimate say over everything. Right. Yeah. I'm with it. I just find that it's not reasonable to assume that you're going to coordinate 75% of a global population. I mean, we already do. It's, it, it's, if it's an expectation of using Decred and using the network, it's part of the culture. It's if you opt, these are all opt-in projects, right? And if you opt into using Decred, you are accepting the social contract that you have to regularly upgrade your node um, every time that there is a hard fork vote. I guess we're going to find out, right? <laughs> Only time and people entering the, the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so far, we, it hasn't been an issue. Uh, I want to talk about um, the funding mechanism, the 10%, uh, the right? The 10% yes. block rewards for the, the fund. Because uh, Chris Berniski, I know, speaks very highly of this. And I kind of want to Luke, if you could take a couple of minutes and kind of explain the benefits of uh, the ability for the stakeholders, right, not the miners, to uh, be able to choose what to do with the 10% block rewards. 
Correct. Yes. So, um, like you said, 10% of every block reward gets sold off to the side into a network treasury. And so the reason that we decided to go with this network treasury funding model is because of um, some of the funding issues in other projects, right? I mean, funding issues in projects like Grin or even like, you know, Litecoin and Monero have to uh, use the community donation model, which is not as reliable. Um, we're not very reliable, especially during hard times. And then you also I mean, even have, Ethereum struggled with this for a little bit. Yeah. A, a lot of products really have. Um, and then you have kind of the model that's used in Bitcoin um, where you have either VC funding, which uh, pro you have companies like Blockstream um, and you get into the misaligned incentives uh, in that between the VCs and the coin holders. And then you also have um, a form of community donations where you have institutions like MIT or Twitter, um, you know, paying for developer time. But a reliable funding source is a, a huge advantage um, because it aligns incentives. Uh, again, it all goes back to this incentive alignment. And the way it works in Decred is, um, or the way that that network treasury is allocated is through our off-chain governance platform called Politea. So we only vote for stuff on chain for the most important stuff that actually has to be voted on on chain. Um, validating proof of work blocks and hard fork changes. Um, everything else we do off chain um, because we don't want it to lead to a whole bunch of blockchain bloat and there's just uh, not, there's no need to do it on chain. So Politea is our off chain governance platform and essentially what it is, is if you are a developer or developer team, you can go on Politea and submit a proposal for work to do. So there are individual contractors in Decred and there are corporate contractors. A corporate contractor is typically just a developer who has started building up their own team and is working on a specific part of the project. And so the way that it were, the direction that we're moving is all development done on, uh, for the Decred platform will have to go through Politea. And so the, the development teams will essentially have to make proposals for the roadmaps and have the stakeholders actually vote on which teams to fund and which uh, roadmaps to fund and it yeah so yeah this is one of the really works. cool things i think about that decred scott uh and so you guys hired washman right as a pr company is that correct so we hired ditto um so ditto? one of the first proposals ah. on um politea was this it was actually between uh washman and ditto they both put up proposals and they actually went back and forth competing against one another and driving their prices down so allowing like uh you know free market competition to, to, to actually price the work. Um, and we ended up, the stakeholders ended up voting with, uh, with Ditto to hire on as a marketing firm for Decred. How much, it, how much did, just out of curiosity, how much did Watchmen come down to? So I forget what the, what the Watchmen was, but the one that we funded Ditto is $25,000 a month. Uh, Oof, for, that's expensive. For, for a six month period, but it includes, um, multiple full-time people working on Decred. Sure. Um, and they actually, they did really well during their first six month period and they uh, put another proposal up for the next six months and it, it passed with a much higher rate. So the stakeholders were pretty happy with the job they're doing. Yeah, I, you just got to tip your hat to that. That's just really fucking cool. Uh, I think Bitcoin or, or Christian and Bitcoiners are going to have some sort of, of criticism about that. But the fact that you can coordinate funds across the world to, to pay for your own marketing and development of your project, that, that's, just, that's just really sweet. So Absolutely. Chris Berniski, I'll let, you, I'll let you comment, yeah. 
Uh, no, go ahead. So Chris, so Vineski, if I could jump in, if I could yeah. jump in, I All mean, right, let's of course, like, I feel like, of course you have to bring up the fact that right now it's currently, um, a centralized process. Of course, there's a plan of decentralizing this governance process or this, uh, treasury process, but can you tell us about the current process and where, uh, that is going to develop? Yeah, absolutely. So it is centralized right now. The way it works is the network treasury is just a multi-sig wallet. Um, and the team, the, it's controlled by the original team that launched Decred, but we've actually, uh, a couple months ago had a proposal that got passed and is currently being worked on as a step towards decentralizing the network treasury or, um, decentralizing the allocation process and moving towards becoming a full on DAO, which is the ultimate goal. So the way it will work once this work is, uh, this uh, network treasury work is completed is that all funds leaving the network treasury will have to be approved by the stakeholders, but the only people that will be able to create specific network treasury transactions are the original team. And so the reason we did this is we didn't, that we didn't want to give full control to the stakeholders right off the bat, just because um, we want to be sure that there aren't any unexplored attack surfaces, whether that's technical or social. And we really just wanted to protect the network treasury from uh, any type of situation where it could get potentially drained. The original Decred team, once this is implemented, will not be able to actually spend any funds without the explicit pr approval of the Decred stakeholders. And the stakeholders won't be able to propose any transactions that could potentially drain the network treasury without the approval or without the original team actually creating the transaction and signing it with a hard-coded key. Um, and this is essentially just um, a guardrail until, until we're confident enough that we can move to the next step. But at once we once we implement this, you know the network treasury it won't be able to be seized by anybody because of the fact that it will be uh, the stakeholders will have the full authority of what go what leaves the network treasury. Bitcoin has this culture and value proposition of being ex extremely resistant to change, and there's definitely value in that, right? Like we don't want any Joe Schmo to be come in and come in and exert their influence and change a blockchain for a way that's likely worse. But uh, Decred's value proposition is that it can change and it can be nimble. Um, so there, there's definitely some sort of spectrum between highly resistant to change and adequately nimble and then also like uh, uh, ineffectively nimble, right? And so how much of the Bitcoin uh, ideology of being resistant to change is found in the Decred community? So I don't think that I wouldn't label Decred as easy to change because it still requires a supermajority from the stakeholders. It's just mm. possible to to adapt and evolve over time. But um, sorry to cut so, in here, but that's also you also have to take into account like the community's willingness to vote yes, right? Like yeah. some communities are more extreme than others, and some people are going to default to no. And I feel like Bitcoin will capture all the default to no types. So like what are, in combination so, with the 70% supermajority plus the Decred culture, what's that like? So it, it really depends on what's being voted on. If you're talking about changing the monetary policy, then there is a very, very strong culture in Decred similar to Bitcoin of never changing the monetary policy, keeping a, uh, you know, a total supply of 21 million Decred, um, and that is essentially a social contract, just like it is in Bitcoin. If you're talking about making uh, technical upgrades that will improve the network, 
then the stakeholders are much more open to those types of changes. It, it just depends on what actually is being proposed. I disagree that 21 million is a social contract. I think it's partially a social contract, but partially a technical um, barrier because it's I don't think difficult to coordinate. Well, that's, it's not a technical barrier to coordination problem. That coordination problem is, is a double edged sword, right? That same coordination problem is why Bitcoin will not be able to uh, respond to a threat and coordinate in a, uh, in, in a unified manner. So you can't, I understand that argument, but you can't have it best. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It either has to be a coordination for both responding to threats and changing the monetary policy or not a coordination problem for either one. I mean, I don't, I just don't know. So <laughs> I, I mean, personally, like I, I will always say this and I'm on the record. I always, I always hedge everything. So um, I'm a very conservative investor, but Based on what I see, like I, I, I pretty much think that the won't be able to coordinate in time of death or survival is like FUD as far as like, like it, until we know otherwise. Well, here's the thing. It's relying on like the social interactions of humans. And if there's going to be something that's hard to predict, it's going to be the social interactions of humans like these groups of humans all around the world, right? So it's very, it's going to be very difficult to know. And I'm not hating on Bitcoin. I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin. Um, I'm just, we have different philosophies. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, having coins that they, they complement one another and those two coins together are going to be stronger than either one separate in this fight against fiat money. Chris Berniski, I have like burned into my brain when he comments on Decred and because he always says the same thing. If you can have governance, you can have anything. Um, and so that's an attractive meme, but I'm worried that uh, that's actually not totally true because, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Decred doesn't have smart contracts or if it does, it's going to have to have some sort of uh, com compromised smart contract layer the same way Bitcoin does. And so this is kind of what I was saying way back at the beginning of the podcast where Decred is trying to split the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it kind of found this valley of value rather than a peak of value. So I think that the, the saying, if, when you have governance, you can have it like anything you want. Um, I think it's an, it's an oversimplification, but it's a good meme. Um, and regarding smart contracts. So, like Bitcoin has smart contracts, Decred has smart contracts, right? A Bitcoin or Decred transaction mm -hmm. is a smart contract. A multi-sig wallet is a smart contract. They don't. That's not what we mean by smart. Well, that's the thing. Ethereum has kind of co-opted this term, and it's not it's not accurate, right? Um, a, we do not have Turing complete smart contracts, yes, but that's for a very good reason uh, of. Uh, making sure that security is is paramount, right? And so, in mm. the long run, if if there are super successful use cases with these turn complete smart contracts on Ethereum, they could be added into Decred. Um, you know, you could add opcodes in for you know to, to potentially mimic the same behavior that you see on Ethereum. It would just be a very uh, defined, rigid um, kind of a smart contract as opposed to these turn complete smart contracts. So especially with Decred's ability to adapt and evolve over time, if there really was a killer use case, um, it could most likely be incorporated into Decred. But I, I, I don't see any time in the near or distant future that we will be adding like a uh, 
it's something similar to like the EVM where you're able to mm -hmm. execute these, these turn complete smart contract. That's, that's not really the direction that, that we're going in. It's the, the, the Craig community is not really interested in having a uh, virtual machine baked in. No, we are pursuing the store of value uh, use case. That is what we're focused on. Um, and, you know, security, monetary policy, um, you know, ledger assurance. Mm -hmm. These are, these are the things we're focused on. All right. So, you know, Christian and, uh, Christian and Luke have fun sparring because you guys are just not fighting over the Ethereum space at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Christian. Um, so Luke, I have a question actually. Um, obviously you are involved in governance and decred governance. How, when you look at the, like, you know, all the other kind of governance models out there, what are you impressed with? What do you think is, you know, kind of failing? Um, I'd love to get your take there. Um, I think Decred is at least a couple of years ahead of any other project in governance. Um, Tezos is experimenting with some of the same governance features, but uh, a lot of what they're proposing, Decred already has been running in production, has already done. Um, so, uh, you know, more power to them for kind of coming to the same conclusions as us, but it's I, it doesn't re we've been doing a lot of this stuff um, in production for a couple of years now. Um, I think a lot of the Ethereum governance talk, um, I think that they add in all of this complexity that I'm not a fan of things like quadratic voting and things like this. Um, I just don't, I don't see any governance solutions as elegant as decreds um, as simple as decreds or really any type of, uh, of competition from um, a lot of other projects. Um, what about, what about dash? Isn't your guys's governance and Dash's governance pretty similar? I mean, it's okay. So dash was the first hybrid proof of work proof of stake cryptocurrency, but there's a whole um, list of reasons why dash is subpar. Um, in my opinion, it, well, it it goes back to the original Dash launch when you had this Instamine, right? And it just mm -hmm. throws up some red flags. But then you also have things like their master node uh, structure is different, where in order to vote, um, you have to ha uh, lock up a thousand Dash in a master node. Um, and so their their block reward is different, where it is a 45-45 split between proof of work and proof of stake, so that you don't have those early stakeholders being diluted down over time. And so when you combine that fact with this master node fact, um, you you get a and and especially the block reward plus the master node plus the early instamine, um, it's quite possible that there's a dash network is. Uh, completely controlled by a small handful of individuals that were beneficiaries of the Instamine and will be in perpetuity. That's total speculation. I have no evidence of that, but there's so, just a lot, lot of red flags with Dash. I mean, they don't have, they don't have the developer community. They don't right. have the, the, the community that Decred has. They don't attract the type of talent that Decred does. Is it accurate to say that like uh, Dash's and Decred's governance architectures are similar, but they but Dash got all the parameters fucked up, so they never really got the incentive alignment pinned down? Yeah, I think that that would be a, a fairly accurate statement. So okay. the whole the hybrid proof of work proof of stake model isn't that interesting. It, it's really a combination of like five or six different parameters that Decred gets just right. Um, that ultimately leads to this end result of, of, of Decred as a project. Um, and it, yeah, so it's, uh, 
it's really a combination of things. And, and like you said, Dash kind of, uh, they have the hybrid proof of work, proof of stake model, but they got a lot of these other things wrong. They did get scale, right? They did beat uh, Decred on scale. Uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, like uh, cheap transactions, high throughput, high tra transaction speeds. Sure, on chain, but um, Decred actually, uh, so we're the only other cryptocurrency project, I believe, the only cryptocurrency project that has not just, or that is implementing Lightning Network, that is actually having to build out the Lightning implementation um, ourselves, as opposed to just pulling in the code from uh, the Bitcoin Lightning Network implementation. Um, like other altcoins can, because they're so similar to Bitcoin, have that luxury of um, just essentially pulling in the, the upstream Bitcoin Lightning repos and, and making and tweaking a couple of parameters and making their own Lightning Network. Whereas ours, we're having to build a lot of it um, out ourselves from scratch. And so uh, it's on testnet right now. Um, Mainnet could support it, but it's not production ready yet, but it will be. And so yes, Dash may have more transaction throughput on the base layer, but that's not, we're not concerned about that. We're scaling via layer two in the Lightning Network. Luke, this has been extremely educational. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan. I, I think that Decred has done, has basically gotten everything right in aims of what they are achieving to do. Um, again, whether that means that there is a value peak with what Decred's, uh, and what I mean by a value peak, I, I, is it's, it's a Sam Harris's uh, metaphor of the moral landscape where there are different peaks and valleys that you can find yourself on that you're trying to you're trying to find the the super high peak bitcoin has clearly found a pretty high peak ethereum has has found a pretty high peak uh whether or not decred also found a pretty high peak and it's just going to come out later or if they're actually in a valley in between the two uh is yet to be seen but i i do i'm much more optimistic with decred than i am with uh you know 99 other blockchains Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be working on the project and I agree. I have one last question for you, Luke. I would like to hear your bull case for Decred as well as your bear case for Decred. Um, bull case is that it becomes the number two store of value to Bitcoin. Um, it is essentially uh, what, what Litecoin ports to be today. Um, and it, it, uh, runs up into, you know, definitely deserves to be in the top five coins for sure. Um, eventually, I see Bitcoin and Decred capturing the vast majority of the store value market, Decred being a hedge if anything does go wrong in Bitcoin. Um, and uh, the bear case would be... Um, that you guys hard fork a bunch of times. Yeah, that... No, this is a good question. Um, something that I should probably spend more time thinking about. Um, that regulators crack down on Decred, um, trying to portray it as uh, a security rather than a commodity maybe um, because of the proof of stake aspect. I don't know. Um, I don't really see that happening, but you never know with regulators. I think that's a low probability event. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Decred, Decred, the, the number one thing it has going for it is we just have a, we have probably the second best team, in my opinion, to, to Bitcoin as far as developer team and talent. Um, the, the, 
people, the number of people in the world who are able to kind of lead these types of blockchain projects and have the experience doing it is, is very few. Um, and Decred has a whole handful of them. Um, it goes back to their experience building out BTC Suite, the Golang uh, Bitcoin implementation, um, launching Decred. Uh, before that, um, the original Decred team, uh, before they were even in Bitcoin, originally met in the OpenBSD community as contributors to OpenBSD, uh, which, if you're not familiar, is um, its operating system. You can consider it a competitor to Linux, but with a, a focus on security and privacy. And so they have decades of experience kind of contributing to open source technology focused on security and privacy. And that was the number one thing that attracted me to the project as a developer. I wanted to be able to work with them and learn from them. Um, so I think Decred's ability to attract talent is, is unparalleled um, and second only to, D, uh, to Bitcoin. Luke, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed this and I like that it was a little dicey. That always makes for more entertainment. I know my last question was supposed to be my last question, but I just remembered I need to ask you, How's Marco's barbecue? I've never had the opportunity to taste it, unfortunately. We're, we're all spread out all over the country. Um, we, we very rarely meet up in person, but yeah, I'm gonna have to try it out one day. Just, it seemed just so legendary, but um, yeah. <laughs> Luke, where can people find you? Who do you wanna hear from? Happy to hear from anybody. Anybody that has questions uh, or is generally interested in just learning more, um, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBP. Um, or you can come on to the Decred Matrix or Riot, uh, our, our chat interface, and come start talking to us. Luke, will you get Chris Berniski to retweet this episode on Twitter? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to, but I don't, I don't have that kind of pool. I'm not that oh. important. Oh, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he, he listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you can find the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can find me both on Twitter and on Medium at Trustless State. Christian? You can find me at CK underscore Snarks. Remember, rate and review the podcast. We need to get to 100. We're, I think we're, we're short of 70, so you guys got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we need the help. So this is where you guys step in. All right. All right thanks, All right. Luke. Thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, of course. of